This is the Center for Strategic and International Studies Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. Welcome to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. I'm Beverly Kirk here at CSIS in Washington. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at Smart Women, and I'm at Beverly Kirk. My guest today is the mayor of Kaohsiung, Taiwan's second largest city. Mayor Chen Zhu is the first woman to hold the job and was elected to the post in 2006. Mayor Chen is a well-known human rights and democracy activist, having been one of the Kaohsiung Eight, a group of leaders arrested during a Human Rights Day demonstration in 1979 that's now seen as the start of Taiwan's democratic revolution. Thank you for joining me. It's such an honor to have you here. You spent six years in prison as a political prisoner, and shortly after the end of your imprisonment, you were one of the founders of the Democratic Progressive Party, even though at that time, this could have landed you back in jail. What motivated you to keep going as an activist? Thank you, Director Kirk. Taiwan is my homeland. Since the age of 19, when I became secretary to the democracy movement leader and provincial assembly member, Mr. Guo Yuxing, for the past almost half century, I have continuously been at the center of all the ups and downs of Taiwan's democratization. The fight for Taiwan's democracy was a very difficult process, but I have never regretted it, especially now when I see that everyone in Taiwan can live without fear, can express their opinions freely, and elect their own legislators and their own president. I feel that having been able to dedicate myself fighting for these democratic values throughout my life is very important to me. But I also remain very concerned. I see that within Taiwan, there are still many clashes of opinions that are not resolved by rational discussion. At the same time, externally, we face many threats from China and from elsewhere. I'm worried about whether our hard-won democratic values might go backwards and whether we can ensure Taiwan's security. This is something that weighs on my mind. I feel that I have a responsibility to fight for the Taiwanese people's democratic spirit. This is very important, something that generation after generation must continue to work towards so that Taiwan can become a truly fair and just society with human rights. So no matter what position I'm in, I will devote all of my heart and energy toward that ideal. In what ways do you feel that the experience of being a woman political leader in Taiwan has evolved over the decades since you first started? Uh, what's different today than when you started? Well, I think when it comes to female participation in politics, Taiwan is relatively progressive compared to other countries in Asia. Not only is our current president a woman, the mayor of Kaohsiung and the speaker of the Kaohsiung City Council are also women. So you can see that Taiwan is relatively open to women leaders. When I previously served as Minister of Labor, we passed the Act of Gender Equality in Employment during my term. This act was to ensure gender equality in the workplace and also to prevent sexual harassment at work. And in many corners of Taiwan society, there still exists significant gender inequalities, including in the workplace, but also within families where there are issues such as domestic violence, etc. I believe that gender equality is not just a legal issue. Fundamentally, it's related to culture and values. 
This is something that we, as female political leaders, must continue to strive for over the long term. Women from all over the world must unite and stand together. How have the barriers to women's leadership changed over time? I think the first barrier that female political leaders need to break through is that we should not let our gender confine our thinking and actions. Regardless of the gender of any political leader, we must think and act out of the same basic humanity and care. You're very accomplished. What would you consider as your major achievements as mayor over the past 10 years? My team and I in the Kaohsiung city government have set a very clear direction. Because Kaohsiung is a city with a lot of heavy industry, we must act very quickly to reverse the environmental and ecological damage that has resulted, and at the same time to build Kaohsiung into a safe city, one that will not flood and with convenient transportation so that there could be a wide variety of employment opportunities, as well as being a city that can accommodate different ethnicities and diverse cultures. So Kaohsiung's transformation is still ongoing, but we have a lot of confidence in that process. I often hear from the city's residents that Kaohsiung has become a very different place in the last 10 years, a more beautiful place. The people of Kaohsiung are now full of pride and confidence. I think this is completely different from in the past. Previously, Taiwan's development had been focused mainly in the north, while the south was neglected. So Kaohsiung had been viewed by the north as the countryside. But today, Kaohsiung citizens no longer feel inferior to Taipei. When we conduct polls four times each year in which we ask our city residents whether they feel proud of Kaohsiung, for the past few years, over 80% of them have responded with a firm yes. That the people of Kaohsiung have rediscovered their self-confidence has been my proudest achievement. You traveled to Beijing and Shanghai in 2009 and then to several other cities on the mainland in 2013. Did your thoughts about the future of cross-strait relations change after those visits? I have always firmly believed that Kaohsiung is an open city, and we've worked hard to promote city-to-city exchanges. In 2009, I went to Beijing and Shanghai, and in 2013, I went to Tianjin, Shenzhen, Xiamen, and Fuzhou. But I've long thought that between our two sides of the strait, between Kaohsiung, Taiwan, and mainland China, we should have even more exchanges and more mutual understanding. I think this is very important. The cities on either side of the strait should not be isolated from one another, but should be encouraged to interact more. This would benefit not only Taiwan's development, but we can share the fruits of progress and hard work to the entire Pacific region. This is the first point. I also think that cities are just like human beings, in that if there is a lack of mutual understanding, misunderstandings can result. Our attitude is that Taiwan has achieved democracy, freedom, and human rights through a long and difficult fight, and we will not give up on these values. We hope to have more open communications and exchanges with the mainland on this basis in a manner that is open, transparent, and mutually beneficial while seeking common ground within our differences. I believe that since Taiwan is a part of the Asia-Pacific region, in order to maintain regional security and economic stability, I'd hope to see more mutual interactions between the two sides of the strait. So with this in mind, since my visits to the mainland, we have continued to encourage exchanges at the city level. As one of the most successful examples of someone who has transitioned from opposition to governing, how do you see the current stage of Taiwan's democratic development? 
When I look back over the past 20 years, as I have gone from being a social activist working outside the system to serving within the system, my greatest realization is that reform is more difficult than revolution. I think Taiwan's society today, even 30 years after the end of martial law, still has many systemic injustices. Some historical and even structural and institutional problems remain. So even though the DPP has been in government twice now, we still have to face many of these problems. And of course, we must remain steadfast on the need for reform. But we have to do so using democratic methods by fostering more rational dialogue to gradually untie many of these knots of historical resentments. Only then can we realize our goal of a fair and just society. We understand that it is a difficult task, but we must be persistent. Do you think the existing political institutions in Taiwan are adequate for arbitrating between competing interests in a democratized society in order to have good policy outcomes that produce the greatest good? This requires a lot of dialogue and communication. I believe that the great challenge facing Taiwan today is that many competing interests, because of a lack of mutual trust, cannot engage in rational dialogue. But if Taiwan is to become what we all hope to see, where the respective interests of every side is addressed and protected fairly, Taiwan society must move toward rational communication, dialogue, and consensus building. That is what our leaders are working on now to foster internal unity. And uh, we're running out of time, so I want to ask you uh, uh, a final question. Uh, you've talked publicly about political generational change, and many young people have called you Flower Mother for your resemblance to a character in a Japanese cartoon, a nickname that you have said publicly that you quite like. Um, you and your party have, have done well in engaging uh, young voters. Twofold question. What's the secret to youth engagement and what can U.S. politicians learn from your success? Wow, thank you. First of all, in that Japanese cartoon, Flower Mother is the most important pillar of her family. She has to take good care of everyone and work diligently, patiently, and without complaint. That's how I see my role, whether within the DPP or as the mayor of Kaohsiung. I must unite all different kinds of people, bringing them together, different opinions, so that they can coexist. That's why people think that I am a little bit like Flower Mother, especially many young people call me that. And of course, I gladly accept that nickname. I wouldn't say there's any secret to my youth engagement. I think first and foremost, young people appreciate political figures that stay true to their ideals and hard work consistently. We don't go whichever way the wind blows, so I think young people trust me because of that, which makes me very happy. Also, my whole life I've done pretty much just one thing, which is to ensure that Taiwan is a society that respects human rights and cares for the weak and the powerless in a dignified way. I think that young people recognize this in my history, from my youth, through my middle age, and now as I'm gradually entering my later years. Perhaps they feel that their interaction with me are very natural, but I don't think I have any special secrets. The other thing is that in the Kaohsiung City administration, I've placed great importance on empowering the young generation. There are many young officials on my team. Give them opportunity and naturally you'll understand them more. Of course, maybe because of that, you, the youth will always also like you more. Thank you so much, Mayor Chen. It's a pleasure to meet you. And thanks to all of you for joining us as well. Thank you for listening. 
For more information, go to CSIS.org and subscribe to our podcasts.